Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Dr. Nicholas Malofsky, and I'm also a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in for this week's international episode of Bad Elf's Seconds of Spatial News. We Bad Elf live our lives one spatial second at a time, and we know you, geoholics, do too. We live in a world of constantly updating spatial technologies, a world in which the average person relies on these systems more and more. Think about it. What if tomorrow the GPS signal in your and I's cell phone completely stopped working? All hell would break loose, to say the least. On the low scale of the absurd, literally, people would not how to get to their intended destinations. While on the more dramatic side, entire sectors of commerce would shut down and cease to function. As scary as this sounds, the truth is, it could be a reality. Recently, GPS World reported that the Russian Kremlin recently warned it could blow up 32 GPS satellites with its new anti-satellite technology, or ASAT. On November 15th, the Russian Federation claims to have successfully used their new ASAT missiles to bring down a retired Soviet Tessalina D satellite. Following the test, state-run media outlet Russian Channel 1 TV claimed that the ASAT missile could obliterate NATO satellites and literally blind all their missiles, planes, and ships, not to mention their ground forces. In a time when the European Union just literally approved Galileo's newest satellites for launch into space, and the United States Space Force just commissioned three new GPS satellites from Lockheed Martin, global positioning has never been so important and but yet fragile. I do not mention these things to alarm, I only mention them to be prudent. Moreover, perhaps it's time to bring out your compass from retirement. Okay, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's Seconds of Spatial News. Reporting from San Marcos, Texas and B2 Studios, we hope you enjoyed our designated news of the week. If you have any questions about this story or about Bad Elf GNSS products, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. Over and out. Oh man, one of my all-time favorite bands right there. I have not heard that song in a long time. Uh, Yeah, good, good choice, huh? Good choice. Here we are, episode 107. Shoots, what do you have for the safety apparel safety share this evening? Uh, something close to my heart, car accident safety. Oh. <laughs> Here's what to do after a car accident. Tip number one, <laughs> turn on your hazard lights. <laughs> Other drivers in the area might not be expecting to encounter a stopped vehicle in the roadway. If they don't see you, they could end up crashing into you. Tip number two, stay in the vehicle. Tip number three, be careful approaching the other driver. If the driver seems belligerent or threatening in any way, don't engage with him or her. Instead, wait for the police to arrive. Tip number four, move the car to safety if possible, if it's still operable. And tip number five, get out if you smell gasoline. (laughs) That's good stuff. What brings that up? I, you know, I may have smashed my car up on Saturday. Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry to hear that. I'm glad everybody was okay. 
I just hit I hit a infinity and Jake got out and said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> was it actually an infinity? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> was it I, safe hit, cars, I hit a Nissan. I hit a Nissan. So oh, same thing. My, That's the little brother. <laughs> the, the bill will be less. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for that shoot. I appreciate it. Uh, PJ, tell us about that opening number. Yeah, that was uh, Hammer to Fall by Queen, a uh, British rock band formed in London, 1970. Their classic lineup was Freddie Mercury on lead vocals and piano, Brian May on guitar and vocals, Roger Taylor, drums and vocals, and John Deacon was on, on the bass. Uh, estimates of Queen's record sales range from 170 million to 300 million records, making them one of the world's best-selling music artists. In 2018, they were presented the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Fantastic probably, movie, too. Oh, man, one of the best, man. It was so well done. I was just talking to somebody about that movie the other day and you know what they probably just sold another million records at the time you went through that 100 percent, and especially <laughs> after that movie yeah exactly now exactly. all the millennials know what's up remy malik <laughs> yeah i like oh, him he, a lot he was amazing in that I, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role that those are some big shoes to fill yeah no doubt about it well i would usually say at this point in time that uh we're in the diamondback land survey studio but oddly enough we're not this evening i am actually working in the alta southwest las vegas office this week so i am coming to you live from my hotel room and uh big shoots where are you at this evening i'm in the nerdery boys oh the nerdery i I got all these books behind me that i've never read yeah yeah but you look smart oh yeah absolutely looks good on paper yep yep pj how about you buddy yeah i'm sitting in i guess my version of the nerdery too my my layer of uh my closet so um this is (laughs) where all the uh the back end happens all the editing all the posting happens here in the layer it's luxurious Yeah, so just bear with us. You know, I don't know that our audio will be great, but uh, we're going to do the best we can. Uh, How about we give a shout out to this week's featured friend of the program? Who we got this week, Shoots? It's Bad Elf Boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, We may have heard of them once or twice before. Bad Elf envisions designs and manufactures niche hardware and software by mixing decades of experience and expertise in embedded hardware, firmware, middleware, and application software. That's a lot of wares. Bad Elf specializes in affordable and reliable high-performance GNSS receivers for GIS mapping and field data collection. Excuse me. All their products are lightweight, portable, and provide a battery life of 24 hours for a full day of data collection activities. Bad Elf products work with Esri Collector, Survey123, and almost any location-based app in the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store. They're developing low-cost, high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. Mention that you heard about the Flex receiver on the Geoholics and receive 100% off, or excuse me, not 100%, $100. (laughs) Dr. Nick would kill me with 100% off. (laughs) $100 off your purchase and a highly coveted fitted black bad elf hat. Man, oh man, I'm out of sorts tonight, boys. You almost said black elf hat. <laughs> yeah, it's bad elf hat. And and I can confirm those hats are great. I'm on number two of mine. So bad elf equals engineering magic. And, and producer Jake can, can vouch for him. He took it on his uh, boat trip. 
Yeah, uh, Nick over there gave me one of his uh, GPS. I forget what model it was. I think it was maybe the Pro Plus. Um, yeah, we strapped it up and we used it. That was our main, main GPS for all of our navigation. And um, battery lasts for forever and we could rely on that thing. Super, super, super sweet. That's awesome. Did you ever download that uh, data and share it with them? I think it's still, so it's downloaded to like the device. I haven't like exported it off of there, but yeah, I still have it on got the, it. on the GPS. Got it. Got it. And I'm going to let a little uh, bad elf out of the hat here. It looks like we're going to be sharing a booth with those guys up at the, uh, the seven state survey conference or after the first of the year. So that Come, should be coming that's... to you live and in person from the bad elf studio. Uh, mobile studio. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. <laughs> Really looking forward to that. That, of course, if the, you know, I don't know what variant of COVID will be on at that point, but hopefully everything works out and we can still do that. It'll, it'll be a blast. All right, time for the Trimble Geospatial Weekly Words of Wisdom. This is from Jim Carrey, of all people. And uh, I, I came across this, actually it was on Monday, uh, coincidentally. And here is the quote. It goes like this, Monday doesn't suck. The weather doesn't suck. Your job doesn't suck. Your negative mindset sucks. Your lack of self-worth and self-love sucks. What do you think of that? Hmm. I felt that on Monday. Changes the perspective. Stop blaming other yeah. things. Huh? Look exactly. Inward. It's all a mindset for sure. All right. Let's catch up with the boys briefly. PJ, yeah, what's I'll new? This quick. I, I think I'll, I'll go off the trend of mindset there. Usually I'm on movie reviews or, or TV show reviews, but today we're going to get in the theme of nerdery and mindset. We'll, we'll do a book review. So I just finished Whoa. a book a couple days ago and you guys, have, I think we've talked about him before on the podcast before, definitely on um, some of our other episodes, Jocko. And then like, this is, oh, yeah. this is David Goggins. Have you heard of him? I have. Yeah. Kind of the same realm as Jocko, maybe a little bit less intense, at least I think so, but he's got this great book. It's super popular. You guys have probably heard of it, but it's called can't hurt me. Have you, have you heard of that? I've heard of it. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. I think that's like his like flagship book that he has, but super good. I mean, this book, you sit down and read it for 45 minutes, an hour. It just makes you want to get up and do something like really just gets you up and super motivating. Great story. Um, I won't spoil too much of it, but uh, if you got the 20 bucks, Go grab it. Get it on your Kindle. However, you audiobook. Um, it's super motivating. You got to check it out. I think I'll do that. I'm looking for something new to listen to. So, yeah, let them know the Geoholic sent you. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's a guy we got to get on. <laughs> that would be something. Let's do else. it. Let's do it. That might be the only person that will be um, the the crowd igniter, Mr. Cameron Hughes. His energy. There we. Go. Oh man, that guy's an all time legend. For yeah, sure. no doubt. But anyway, Ryan, how are you? I've, I've been better, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, Thanksgiving was great. Had had a good time with the family and did all that fun. Uh, Saturday morning, we got up, went to the zoo, had a great day. I golfed after that with the guys and then bang on the way home. <laughs> I smacked into a car and the weekend was over. I literally had a dream Saturday night and I woke up hitting the brake in my, oh my dream. <laughs> really? You're, yeah. Wow. I got some trauma, carried some trauma out. Well, you I, said, I yeah, you were going pretty quick when you hit him. Like, I, I'd imagine you'd have some sort of, you'd take something home with you. Yeah. My, the lovely Carrie is amazed that I am not sore at all. So, 
Um, you, uh, you know what? You might, you might need to go seek out some counseling after this. I have a feeling. Yeah, no, I'm okay. Are you sure? <laughs> I, I got enough counseling for other issues in my life. <laughs> I don't need to add more to it. <laughs> well, it's glad to hear that uh okay like, yeah no every, everybody's okay it, but... the, the person that i that i hit was was okay as far as i could tell and it was it just made it for an adventurous weekend but uh what about you oh, dd man. oh man vegas baby i as i mentioned i am in vegas for the week um it's interesting the hotel i'm staying at it's called the silverton and it does have a little sports book in it so of course i was gonna you know, take advantage of that. I went down there to bet on some hockey games and come to find out whoever is part of the ownership of this hotel is also part ownership of, I don't know if it's the Ducks or somebody like that, but as a result, you cannot bet on hockey at this sports book for that reason. Wow. Really? Just put all your money on the Mets. It's happening. Few- <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, I did start watching a new show that I'm pretty hooked on. It's like one of those you know short 25-minute shows. And I may butcher the name, but it's something like What Happens in the Shadows. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. I, I believe it's on Hulu. You'll have to check me on that. I would look it up, but of course, I have no internet. Um, but it's absolutely freaking hysterical. It's kind of like The Office meets Vampires. And uh, it is hilarious my new favorite show it looks like uh claire here one of our guests just sent a message she she's going to tell us more about it here in a minute but apparently it started in uh in new zealand so uh super excited about it and uh highly recommend it if you like the office you're gonna love this show so what we do in the shadows or yeah. what happens in the shadows what's it <coughs> called bj Did you what look we it up do in the shadows yeah but you got it, it was on hulu on hulu okay cool yeah uh, Highly recommend it. Like I said, it's quick hitters. You know, you can watch them in no time, but absolutely hilarious. So now, now I have some uh, viewing. I like that you said too that it was like a quick twenty-minute episode. I think that's huge, right? Like you think yep. that's what's so hard about these, like whether it be Succession or Game of Thrones or uh, exactly. Yellowstone, all these other TV shows we walk about. It's it's type quite the investment. It's a bit of a commitment. No <laughs> doubt about it. All right, let's get on with this. Let's get our uh, let's get our guests introduced here, and they can tell us more about uh, uh, what was it called again? What happens in the shadows? What we do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows? All right. Well, we're going to find out more about that here in a minute as well. All right. So this evening we have with us Claire Buxton and Roshni Sharma, and just a little bit about these two before we get into this. Claire was born in Rotorua. Then this is from her, bred in Invercargill, New Zealand. Uh, she attended School of Serving, Otago University. Her paid position is she's a party chief and a project manager and CAD coordinator at Underhill Geomatics. Her voluntary position, which we're going to talk a lot more about this evening, is lead of the Volunteer Community Survey Program, which is a FIG Young Surveyors Network initiative. And I am really excited to hear about more of that. Roshni, born in New Zealand uh, and has grown up in Australia between Sydney and Brisbane. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, she attended the University of Newcastle, Australia, and has a PhD in geosciences from the University of Sydney. She's a project manager and geospatial analyst for Frontier SI 
and she is the communications and marketing lead of the volunteer young surveyor program you can kind of see the tie in there and uh so yeah let's uh let's get into this first of all ladies welcome to the geohawks we appreciate you being here thanks thanks for having us very much yeah yeah we're super excited to, to learn a little bit more about you and to definitely learn more about the uh the volunteer community surveyor program this sounds like a really cool movement that you guys are involved with but before we get to that a quick icebreaker question just kind of lighten the mood here a little bit um so roshni i'm gonna let you go first here if you could go against nature and interbreed two different animals to make one super animal what would those two animals be wow that is quite the question so you got a phd comes- you got it you're smart <laughs> The first animal that comes to mind is the octopus because I think that they're incredible. They're just so smart. They've got eight arms, legs, eight limbs, um, which means that, you know, can you imagine if you were able to do housework with eight limbs? Get it done in no time. So I think that the octopus would be animal number one. Animal number two, I am leaning towards a T-Rex because they have two very useless arms. So I think that if you combined an octopus with a T-Rex, you'd be able to get your housework done in no time and you'd just be super cute. Be the uh, Octorex, right? Octorex. I love it. I love it. How about you, Claire? Oh, man. I can't come up with something as good as that. I was thinking something to do with a panda because they're cute and fluffy and really misbehaving. Yep. So maybe I'll merge that with, um, all I can think of at the moment is a sloth, because that's my favourite animal. So I'm merging oh. two useless animals into one extra useless well, animal. I guess we well, could, we would, we'd call it a slander, maybe. Slander, <laughs> yeah. And it swears a lot as well. <laughs> that sounds like my That's, spirit animal. I was just gonna say, shoots is kind of like cuddly and kind of slothy. Yeah, absolutely, and I swear a lot. Yeah, there no doubt. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate you playing along with it. Uh, shoots, how about you, man? What, what two animals would you? Uh, I, that would you that that's a tough one. I the, the first one that comes to mind is an elephant, just because mm-hmm. they're massive. and and they're so gentle just like me yeah (laughs) uh with an elephant hmm, maybe a condor so like oh my goodness holy crap can you imagine a flying elephant there we go wow i'm just going outside the box here so instead of uh when pigs fly when elephants fly exactly well you guys have seen dumbo I'd be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. <laughs> I loved Dumbo as a kid, man. That was that was great. Uh, that sure. that that was Hudson's favorite. Still is. <laughs> How about you, PJ? You got anything in mind? Yeah, I think I would uh, stick on that octopus realm and do an octopus and a chameleon, right? Like, because both of those have, uh, like, they blend in with their surroundings. So maybe if we like push them together, it'll like they'll get be completely visible or something. Invisible. 
Yeah. It'd be like yeah, the Marauders, the, the cloak from Harry Potter. There you go. Yeah, when he's messing around upstairs in the forbidden bookcase area. Yep, for sure. I love it. Love it. Um, I would probably go with like, I don't know, maybe a dolphin and a tiger or something. Have some sort of animal that super fast on land and can do its thing in the water as well. Like a cheetah? Yeah, there you go. Cheetah. You want fast. The cheetah's your animal. All right. Well, a cheetah and a dolphin then. How's it? Yeah. Does, does it breathe or does it have gills? It's multifaceted. It can do whatever it has to. All right. Well, I'm trying to logistically look at this thing here, and you're you're not giving me the answers. It's the ultimate animal. (laughs) You lose nine times out of ten, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it came from, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so funny. All right, come on. I guess we wasted too much time here. Let's find out more about the Volunteer Community Survey Program. Um, who wants to start us out? Roshni, why don't you start us out? Tell us, tell us, you know, what, what exactly is it? Tell, give us the, uh, the foundation of this program. Yeah, sure. So the, the VCSP or the Volunteer Community Surveyor Program, it is a, I guess it's an initiative of the FIG Young Surveyors Network. And it came together a couple of years ago under the leadership of Eva Maria. Um, Claire, did you want to give a little bit of a background and on the history? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so in 2017, uh, the Young Surveyors Network Chair, Ada Maria Unger, um, started up a pilot for a program that connects young surveyors to humanitarian causes, um, particularly through the Global Land Tool Network and CADASTA to implement some social tenure um, tenure security upgrade projects. So that was the beginnings. They managed to deploy 13 young surveyors across um, East Africa and the Democratic Republic of Congo, Nepal, Philippines, and it was a success. So this new way that uh, Roshi and I are involved in is kind of the way forward to scale up and do it in a sustainable way. So, so yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go for it. No, no, I was just going to say, so Claire, you're, you are presently in Canada and Rashi, you are in Australia, Sydney. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously this is an international movement, correct? Correct. Absolutely. And yeah, what is so- like... What is the mission of the program? Like, what are you guys trying to accomplish with this? So mainly our commitment, I guess, is to connect young surveyors with opportunities to volunteer. And because we know a lot of opportunities exist, it's just finding that connection. We kind of fill a gap there. Um, The main, I guess, issues that we are trying to address through these volunteer programs are uh, tenure security, so land land, secu- land tenure security, improving that with partners and working towards climate action. Um, they'll be very broad, but, yeah, that's generally the two areas that we seek to work within. 
And so the way that we do this is, I guess, we have a core team and our core team runs and sort of looks after the implementation of a couple of different initiatives. So we've got wisdom workshops, which are essentially held one to two times a year, and they're an opportunity for young surveyors to come along and hear from international experts on a chosen topic that links to um, land administration, tenure security, Um, You know, we have a range of topics that we cover. Um, And then there's in-country deployments. So the in-country deployments are an opportunity for young surveyors to actually be on the ground, spending time immersed within a community for uh, usually uh, up to six weeks. And they work with one of our VCSP partner organisations. So in the past, this has been GLTN or CADASTA with a C. And they support land administration efforts. We also have e-volunteering initiatives, which is things like mapathons. We held one with the FIG Working Week last year that was around mapping um, female genital mutilation out of Tanzania. So we partnered with an organisation called Crowd to Map Tanzania and uh, people volunteered their time to using um, open street maps to map out um, various features that would allow efforts on the ground in Tanzania to help women to find pathways to like roads and um, you know where to go if they were um, under threat of FGM and we also are in the process of developing a knowledge portal which is an online platform that young surveyors Um, volunteer community surveyors, VCS mentors, um, VCS partners and VCSP members can log into before, during or after a project and make use of the, um, I guess, a repository of information and resources to help them to answer questions that they might be looking to find more information about, get inspired, have visibility of career pathways, um, you know, connect with other people similar to them, And, um, yeah, so as Claire mentioned, our team is pretty global. We often um, struggle to find times to meet because we've got people in Canada, Kenya, Fiji, Zimbabwe, Uganda, Nigeria, um, South Africa, uh, Germany, um, Australia, so um, Turkey, all around the shop. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So you, it's interesting to me that you both mentioned land tenure, and this has been brought up before on the show. Why, why is that important? I can take this one. So um, it's generally well accepted that around 30% of cadastral coverage, um, I, sorry, in most countries, around 30% is covered with a cadaster. Then there's 70% that is not. And um, when it comes to, you know, uh, land grabbing and um, large infrastructure projects, often the rights of the vulnerable are not secured because they don't have documented rights. So, yeah, despite the advancement in technology and growth growth of the survey sector, more than 1 billion people are still um, undocumented and at risk of losing their land. So that's why land tenure matters to us. Um, Another reason is, and I was looking at this the other day on 
the land portal website is around only two to three percent of land is owned by women, especially in Africa. Wow. So uh, it's shocking. I was shocked. I thought it was more, but yes. So that's um, something that a lot of our partners are working towards improving. Um, And there's obviously a lot of informal settlements around uh, and um, and I guess there's a lot of programs in place and partners trying to secure land tenure across the globe, um, but particularly in developing nations. And when it comes to capacity, there's not enough, and that's technical capacity. So there's very um, top-down approaches that are working, and with bottom-up approaches that involve more participatory mapping um, and participatory uh, adjudication, if you will, of of property rights, um, that's the way in which we're going to rapidly map and create cadastral systems, is is empowering the many with the the skills that they need. Got it. Rashi, what, what would you like to add to that? Um, so I guess by profession, I'm not technically uh, like a cadastral surveyor, but the thing that really stands out to me and drives me as somebody who's still within the geospatial field is that without secure land rights for Indigenous people and for women, the fight for keeping global warming impacts low is really difficult. In fact, it may be impossible. Um <clears throat> If we, if we consider the systemic roots that have led to social and environmental inequality, unless we can make impact on land rights, it's really hard to then progress the impacts and create a situation where we're able to um, have a really strong positive impact on mitigating or preventing climate change impacts. And I think we're all part of this one planet. And so we need to come together, whether we're in the global north or in the global south. But particularly if we're in the global north, it's in fact like a responsibility to be able to support people in the global south and not continue the marginalisation and the inequalities that exist today. So it sounds like, excuse me, the, the these volunteer opportunities all have a like a, a geospatial component to them. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. They also have um, sort of a soft skills side to it when it comes to adjudicating land rights. So as we know, it's not all about the technical side and when it comes to coming into communities that you may not be um, used to being in, there's different customs and different processes that exist already. And one of the things that we teach in the wisdom workshop is to go in with a sense of humility and not go in saying, this is the way to do it. We're doing it this way because that's the way um, interventions sort of fail. If you don't have 
local buy-in, then you're going to leave and then five years later the, the whole system will, will fall down because the locals are not keeping it going and they haven't been trained up the way that they need to to keep their program sustainable. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you mentioned humility. I mean, that's, that is such an important component to getting anything done is, um, you know, exhibiting humility. So glad you mentioned that. Um, is there a particular part of the world where you're working on this type project? I'm really intrigued by the whole land tenure thing. Is there, is there one of these right now in the works? Please, um, I want to say hundreds probably. Um, we, really? part wow. we partner with uh, the Global Land Tool Network to implement this social tenure domain model. And they, uh, we recently went with them to um, Uganda and Kenya. And then with Cadaster, you might have heard of Cadaster with a C. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. So they um, had us um, find a couple of volunteers to go to Tanzania and Kenya. And there's all sorts of other partners involved across um, Africa, West and East Africa, mostly that I'm aware of, but also in the Middle East and mm. in Asia Pacific as well so um we've been in Nepal and Philippines uh, oh. we really really want to help existing programs that are in Pacific Islands I mean Roshi's got a personal connection there in Fiji um but a lot of our team are from there as well and being in New Zealand uh when I was living back there the it, it was very clear to me that there was no way for young spayers to get involved in the existing projects that were going on in the Pacific. Um, mm. But it was noted that there was uh, a need for capacity building. So to me, that's a really clear point for young surveyors who have got the skills to go to a place where they can grow as a person, but also share some skills with the local young surveyors there so that then they can um, work on their own programs. So I'm curious, you know, I, I get, you know, the name of the, the, the group is volunteer young surveyor program. When you say young, what, what defines that? <laughs> um, so the young surveyors network is, um, the definition is someone who's either under the age of 35 or is within 10 years of graduating from a geospatial, um, degree of some sort. So it can be people who have gone back to uni at 40 and they're still within 10 years of graduating. It's more like young in the terms of young as a surveyor, not young in age. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. So Roshni, in, in your position being the communications and marketing lead, um, you know, what, what are you doing to get the word out of, of, about these opportunities? Yeah, so that is what I spend a lot of my time thinking about. We have a really um, quite a big presence on social media for the Young Surveyors Network of FIG. So there's a lot that we do in terms of posting on social media, particularly on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter about what events and initiatives the BCSP 
is currently doing. What I'm currently planning for the next calendar year is along the lines of really delving into the why. Why should people care about what we are doing and why should people pay attention and come along to our events and initiatives and get involved? What will they gain out of it and what inspiration is there that we can provide people about the work that the VCSP is doing. So we've got a series of newsletters that we're planning, social media posts and videos that the team is putting together. And I guess the the core uh, thread that runs through all of those runs along the lines of this really great quote that I um, look back on frequently. It's by a lady called Roshi Joan Halifax, um, she's a Buddhist teacher, a Zen priest, an anthropologist, and she's a actually a pioneer in the field of end-of-life care. And she says, everybody has a geography that can be used for change. And that's why we travel to far-off places. Whether we know it or not, we need to renew ourselves in territories that are fresh and wild. We need to come home through the body of alien lands. And I really like that because to me it speaks of the core of what it means to be human. As humans, we're all connected to each other and we're connected to the land. And we also have a need to understand the lands that are different to the places that we live and work on. In Australia, we have um, a tradition, I guess, that's becoming more and more common. We do it in all of our work meetings these days. And before we begin a meeting, we pay respects to the Um, the traditional custodians of the lands that we work, live and play on. And we name the the tribe or the nation of Aboriginal people who um, have always lived on these lands. And um, I think that that sort of um, thing is really powerful and it's inspired me to try to bring the essence in comms and marketing and everything that we do for the VCSP to help remind, I guess, the people that we're reaching out to that you know the earth is ours it, the earth doesn't care about borders or polit- like political um, boundaries or anything um, we are all responsible for looking after this planet and we as young surveyors in particular but also seasoned surveyors are really deeply equipped with the tools that can make powerful difference and so if we can harness that it's something that you know gives us a lot of purpose sure so you you uh you you know these projects taking place all across the world I mean obviously a lot of people are are seeing the benefit from it and this has got to be incredibly rewarding would you guys want to talk about that just a little bit I can have a crack at that yeah um so I guess for for the young surveyors that ultimately we're trying to create these opportunities for and connect with partners for, um, we've heard from all of them that they've grown professionally and personally. So in terms of um, reward for young surveyors, yeah, they're really getting that opportunity to um, take a humble pill and see that actually, you know, there's um, many ways to skin a cat and you can do things in, in any way and um, still achieve a good outcome for the community you're working with. 
Um, you know, they've also had great upskilling in terms of technical skill when it comes to fit-for-purpose technologies, um, which uh, ways to um, or recognizing that not every project needs one millimeter accuracy, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely dumbed it down a lot, but um, that's fit for purpose um, technologies. And uh, other things that young surveyors have learned have been, you know, project management skills and project coordination skills. So they've been able to take that back to their their paid work and apply all those skills. And some young surveyors have come out and then been employed by the partner that they were deployed with. When it comes to um, our partners, so our partners at GLTN and Cadastra, as we said, um, and we are always looking for others because, as I said, there's a lot of projects going on. They... Um, GLTN in particular have local partners, so Pomoja Trust was one of them in um, Haida District in Uganda, and they um, they see huge benefit in having young surveyors involved to, as I said earlier, build capacity. Um, however, because of the restrictions we have on timing in our program due to funding, we haven't got had the ability to keep the young surveyor there long enough. So we're looking this year to have a bit of a bit more of a flow to keep young surveyors um, in with Promoter Trust, for example, and keep their um, capacity building going. So for we've had, heard from partners, you know, this is a really great initiative and, and they're seeing value in it um, once the young surveyors are trained. The, I guess for us as well, um, I don't know about you, Roshni, but I've, this is one of my career highlights. Uh, being involved in the VCSP as the lead is, has helped me grow as a leader. So I've, um, you know, uh, set up a team globally. Uh, we've never met the whole team. Or I think there's 17 of us haven't all met before in person. And we were Ooh. set up during COVID. So... We have um, grown as a team, got to know each other really well and made strong friendships all over Zoom or <laughs> Google Meet or, um, you know, just as we're trying to all, we've all come together, we have the same uh, goal in mind and we're all volunteering our time to set up these opportunities, um, meeting with partners, developing, you know, comms to put out to everyone and say come join us um, and create these events that that allow young surveyors to upskill so that for me has been a great reward that I always cherish. I can wholeheartedly agree with that Claire the the experience of being part of this core team with VCSP is definitely one of my career highlights as well. There's so much that I've learned about leadership in terms of how to understand all of those little things I take for granted in my day-to-day -day and break those down and teach them to somebody to help them skill up, especially across different cultural boundaries. We have shared so many great jokes amongst the team um, <laughs> just in terms of like um, learning about each other's cultures and 
it's just been incredible to work together remotely over a pandemic to build such close friendships and, you know, help each other to achieve the things that we're all really passionate about and align on with our values. Yeah, that's awesome. Super inspirational. You both have mentioned, you know, meeting with your partners. When you say partners, what, what, what exactly do you mean by that? So we have, um, we've kind of categorized partnerships because when I started out, um, it became aware, uh, it became obvious to me that some partners don't have the ability to give money, but they do have the ability to give knowledge or technology tools or um, provide opportunities. So those existing partners like Cadastra and GLTN and Cadastra with a K, you know, they are working in the space of their what we call opportunity partners. Uh, we, we have funding partners, obviously, um, who fund the VCSP, and often they can be opportunity partners as well. Um, and we have knowledge partners, not only to help with the knowledge portal that we're developing, but also to provide expertise to um, projects that we are partnering with other partners for, so that you know, we've got, we're making sure that we have got the expertise that FIG can offer to um, add value to existing projects. Um, and then finally, with the technology partners, uh, for example, Trimble has donated some catalyst units to the BCSP, and they also have been providing the knowledge and the training around how we can use that and pen maps to create a workflow that plugs into the social tenure domain model that GLTN has that we're helping implement. So um, it's just different partnerships and different ways that people can support the VCSP that doesn't necessarily have to be money, although mm -hmm. we're always looking for more money because sure. we, as I said before, we, um, we want to keep this going and we're, we're, we're striving at the moment, but we do have a long-term plan and uh, we do have a budget set up that we, we need to really um, boost in order to keep going. Yeah, good to know. Hopefully, you know, some of the people listening are going to be intrigued by this conversation and and, uh, you know, reach out to see how they can get involved. And if somebody, you know, is interested in doing so, how, how would they get a hold of you guys or who do they need to reach out to, to, you know, provide support? Yeah, so um, we have got a web page. It's fig.net forward slash VCSP. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at FIG Young Surveyors Network. Twitter at FIG underscore Young and LinkedIn FIG Young Spayers Network. Uh, we also have um, yeah, a lot of information on our web page that there's different ways to donate. So you can become a funding partner, as I said. You can also make a direct <coughs> donation. So it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars. You know, it can be whatever you can afford. Um, we've also partnered with DJI and MLED. So if you are buying low-cost MLED Genesis receivers, you can use the code VCSP and we'll get 5% of the um, cost of that. I think it's 5%. Uh, 
And the same goes for DJI. Um, just reach out to us and we can provide you the code for that. Uh, oh, wow. And when it, when it comes to donating equipment, like if you want to be a technology partner or you just have gear that can be donated, um, you can reach out to us at bcsp at fig.net for our email address. That's correct, right, Roshni? It is indeed. Great. Roshni, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about, you know, your interaction with your partners. Uh, I would imagine in your role, that's an important part of, uh, you know, of, of what you do and your responsibilities. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, one of the things that's important to us that I try to bring to life through my role is to create two-way value for our partners. So when we are looking to set up an in-country deployment or a wisdom workshop, for example, to really work with the partners to make sure that they have some input into the vision um, and the, the design of the event, as well as being able to, through the process of running the event itself, Sorry about my dog. Hang on one second. <laughs> Roshni's got a new puppy and the puppy is uh-huh. misbehaving. <laughs> um, All right. Just, just while she's dealing with the pup, I can add to that as well. The, Thank you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we have a partnerships lead, Jordan Freese, uh, Jordan Falk. So he's here in Vancouver. But his role as well is to um, make sure we have the right partners set up but all of us on the team are spending time reaching out and sort of networking with partners and we often meet with them online and have a conversation and share our values and our vision and make sure that we are all in agreement um, and share a vision have you have you dealt with the puppy Roshni Yes, sorry about that. She's nine weeks old and she's very, very needy and very cute, biting everything. Again, Um, just like shoots. I I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Puppy and the slander. So, um, yeah, I guess it's really important to us and to me, like personally, to try to make sure that when we work with partners, it's a really collaborative, inclusive process that allows us to co-create the things that we want to do. Um, We tend to, like Claire mentioned, we tend to have online meetings to um, discuss ideas and and how we want to do things. So we um, spend a lot of time on emails, just making sure that we get the details right. Uh, the culture that we have in the core team, as Claire mentioned, it is it, it quite, um, it's not really that hierarchical. Everybody is encouraged to play a role and to network with partners and to be able to build the relationships with partners. And so the way that we work tends to be as inclusive as possible and really make an effort to allow people from different countries to um understand the opportunities for the country that they live in, but also um, help create initiatives that fit the broader vision that we want to do through events and initiatives like the wisdom workshops and in-country deployments in other countries around the world. So it's a bit of a bit of a global um, thing and we try really hard to make sure that the partners really feel valued and work alongside us, not 
for us or, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm curious, how much involvement do you guys see uh, from, from the States? I mean, are, are there a lot of folks involved from the United States or not so much? It's a, it's a really good question, and I was going to bring this up, so I did. Glad you did. <laughs> we don't get a lot, and um, I think I don't know the definite reasons, but I think it's perhaps because there's a perception that we're only deploying in, you know, Africa and Asia Pacific. So why would what what is there for a US young surveyor to do? Um, that's why we introduced e-volunteering. And during COVID, that has proved to be a really good move because that means that anyone can get involved from anywhere in the world as long as they have an internet connection. And in the future, when COVID is not as much of an issue, um, in-country deployments traditionally are actually across, across continents. So to me, uh, I am hoping that some of your listeners are young surveyors and um, see a great opportunity to get involved. Um, we have a climate action wisdom workshop coming up next year as well that we think will be of interest to American and Canadian young surveyors. Um, and also um, potentially Latin American. We don't have a lot of representation from Latin America either. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the climate action wisdom <coughs> workshop is we're going to attempt to encourage young surveyors from the countries that are um, listed as kind of the higher measures. So um, we will be putting a lot more effort into reaching out to um, North America region um, and Europe region to uh, advertise that, that they should come along. How do you decide like what cause or project that uh, you're going to commit resources to? <laughs> That's becoming more of a problem um, because we are we are scaling up and we're actually able to find opportunities a bit more easier these days. Um, the most important thing to me is that the project shares our values. And if they don't, then we have to make some hard decisions. But I'm really bad at saying no, so I haven't said no yet. (laughs) Um, I think we'll have to, I mean, the way we've set up our core team is to be able to grow and scale up as well. So that's why we spend a lot of effort in um, upskilling, both in terms of project management and leadership and event creation and, you know, client um, conversations so that if we get more and more opportunities we can start to empower more young surveyors to run their own initiative run their own um, deployments run their own wisdom workshops their volunteering events um, so yeah luckily at the moment I haven't had to say no um, but yeah our values um, uh, sustainability curiosity respect. Mm and volunteerism. So if the partner generally aligns with these, then we we, um, we keep moving forward. Hmm. I mean, That's our awesome. 
long-term sort of vision is definitely to, I guess, focus on empowering young surveyors all around the world to bring to life projects and initiatives that they care for that fit under the values and the vision that we have. And so like a big part of what we do is around empowering and transforming the experience of young surveyors and seasoned surveyors to bring together the industry to be stronger when it comes to humanitarian and and environmental causes. So, you know, we really do have a focus in our four-year plan, not only to run these events and initiatives, but also to find ways through the way that we run events and initiatives to be able to empower these groups. So one example is we have a wisdom workshop coming up on on tomorrow, actually. Um, And as part of that, we are working with participants. I think it's about 150 participants across all FIG regions around the world. And we would like to set up a series of meetings that we can help to facilitate and, you know, get the teams who come together from the different regions, get those participants through the forming and norming stages so that they do have the skills to then take once we can run a you know, some meetings over time for them, let's just say for the first six months of 2022, by that stage, they've built the skills to be able to keep that momentum going themselves and have the strategy skills to be able to understand the projects, like the scale and the impact that they want to create. And people have the skills to come together in a structured way to make progress on them. So we really do care about um, skilling up and empowering young surveyors to have the impact that they want to in the environmental and humanitarian space. Yeah, you mentioned uh, like the soft skills that are developed, you know, throughout uh, throughout the program. And, you know, just after hearing everything you guys have been been sharing with us, um, you're, you're just, you're developing and cultivating just good people, which has got to be, you know, one of the uh, ultimate yeah. rewards. That's it. Exactly. Claire and I are like the the parents of BCSP (laughs) children all over the world. Good children. We we do get to meet some incredible people. And I think this program does attract a lot of like-minded people. So um, the good is already in them. (laughs) They just want to find a way to uh, use that good. So, yeah. Sure. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, so Ryan and Jake, I mean, it's hard when we're not in the same room to uh, read your reactions. Do you guys have any other questions? No, I think these guys really do have just a solid cause. And I want to go out and help the world now. I know, right? <laughs> They've <Yeah>. encouraged me. <laughs> I totally agree. Um so what's next? Roshni, I'll let you go first. What's next and what are you most excited about moving forward? So um, I guess I'm looking forward to by 2050, BCSP is going to save the world. Um, <laughs> but easy task. On a serious, <laughs> easy task. But on a serious note, we do have a couple of really cool things coming up. So like I mentioned, we've got a, a wisdom workshop that's happening tomorrow. So it is largely for young spheres who can be deployed in a COVID safe way in country to East Africa, Philippines, and potentially a couple of Middle Eastern countries. Um, 
that is happening really, really soon. But we will also be, um, I guess, working with SSSI, the Surveying and Spatial Sciences Institute of Australia, for a, a mapathon in February early February 2022. And so that mapathon will be focused around the um, digitization of fence lines and static water infrastructure for bushfire preparedness efforts across a couple of different states of Australia. Um, that is just one event that we've got coming up um, next year. We also have in May some in-country deployments. So uh, these are open to people from or near to uh, Uganda, Kenya, Namibia, Zambia, Philippines, Nepal, Iraq, and potentially Syria. Uh, it's not really for American surveyors right now, but if we get the funding, you know, anything is possible. And as we are moving forward, we'll also get a climate, a wisdom workshop on climate action which we're currently planning for sort of mid-2022 and we'll definitely need to get US participation um, because we're targeting countries that are sort of the big emitters, generally the global north. So, you know, um, US, uh, China, India, Russia tops the list of these countries. We are really quick... Let me start that again. We're really keen to also hear from anybody who cares about the same sorts of issues that we do. If you've got some sort of an idea for a wisdom workshop or you'd like to partner with us for an in-country deployment, whether it is in the global north or the global south, you know, these issues that we're working on, they they really are global. Um, we're always really keen and looking for um, ways that we can collaborate to make things happen. So if there's anyone in the States who is keen to, you know, put together a really impactful mapathon, reach out. We'd love to hear from you and work with you to make it happen. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that idea. I love the work, wisdom workshop idea as well. Uh, Claire, how about you? What, do you what, what do you see in the future? What are you excited about? Oh, man. So, um I want us to be the surveyors equivalent of engineers without borders. That's oh, yeah. ultimately why I started um, this process because as an undergrad, I knew that I wanted to get involved in a humanitarian way with my skills that I was developing, but I didn't see easy ways to do that. Um, so I really hope that as our vision says by 2024 will be a well-respected program that connects um, connects opportunities that att attract um, young surveyors to opportunities that combat climate change and seek to improve tenure security. That's what I want by 2024. So um, Roshni is actually taking over the leadership position next year. Oh. And so I kind of, I'm trying to, give her the tools she needs to take it and run with it. But I can tell you now that Roshni is going to take it to new heights past 2024, I can tell. So, um, yeah, beyond those events coming up, um, we have other things in the pipeline kind of brewing away, having a lot of conversations about other opportunities in um, West Africa and East Africa and South Africa, uh, Southern Africa as well as the Pacific. So um, I'm hoping that one of my legacies before I move on is to, to set up the BCSP to have a lot more opportunities um, 
with a lot more geographic diversity. Yeah, something you said there that really hits home and something like over the, I don't know, last few years, especially that I've really thought a lot about is, you know, leaving a legacy and, you know, getting involved with, you know, a program such as this definitely gives people a great opportunity to do that. And it's obvious to me, and I'm sure our listeners that, you know, you two are incredibly passionate about, about, you know, this effort and kudos to you guys. And I'm just thinking, I don't know what this says about me, but, you know, you guys, you guys want to save the world. And I always say, I want to rule the world. So I guess I'm just a (laughs) schmuck. (laughs) We actually have a tagline that, um, it's called map the world to a better place, which Ah, is what we strive to do. (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome. Um, I don't have anything else. I mean, that you guys, uh, you know, give you each an opportunity to, to share maybe something we haven't talked about yet. Roshni, why don't you go first? If there's anything we haven't touched on that you want to get out there. Um, I'm just trying to think. Or you can just say, nope, you did a great job. We covered everything. You did do a great job and you did cover everything. Um, I really honestly feel as though we, we've hit the nail on the head. I, I feel like I've just had a really, really good conversation and made some new friends. And this has been, this has been really enjoyable. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Add value, make friends, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the goal. That's the goal. How about, how about you, Claire? You got the, the final word. Say that. Yeah. I like your tagline is add value, make friends. Yeah. Um, I have one thing that we didn't touch on, and it's COP26, that how it relates to BCSP. So um, just a quick fact I read was that Indigenous peoples and local communities manage half the world's land and care for its astonishing 80% of the Earth's biodiversity, and that's primarily under customary tenure arrangements. And a recent study showed... However, that Indigenous communities and organisations receive less than 1% of the climate funding meant to reduce deforestation. So recently in the COP26, I think there was an Indigenous rights fund set aside of $1.7 billion. But I think to me that quote says that there's always going to be um, challenges for our society around land rights and around climate action. So if you want to make a difference and are not sure how to go about it, that's what the VCSP is for. Uh, and I think together we can map the world a better place. I love it. Those statistics are amazing. You know, when you, when you put that into perspective, it's like unbelievable. Mm. It, is it really is for sure. Well, again, we thank you guys. Shoots, you want to you wanna ask these amazing ladies uh, your favorite question? Well, I have to ask it um, one at a time, please. What is a mantra that you live by? Roshni, you go first. I feel like you've got a good one. Can I have? I have three. Can I have three? Sure. There are no rules here. <laughs> you All just right, have so to. The only thing you have to do, you have to give us permission to um, publish them in our in our upcoming book. Oh, sure. These aren't my quotes. I just live by them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, I guess the first one is passion is the result of action, not the cause of it. Mm-hmm. Good and one. the second one is visibility without purpose is vanity. Ooh, 
And the third one is never say no to yourself. Let the world say no to you. Uh, Save the best for last. Awesome. I love those. Oh, I should have got this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Roshni has such a great way with words. That's why she's in the right role right now. (laughs) But Claire, you are just an amazing person. Like you are just, you exude like amazingness and so much respect for you. Great, uh, great energy, both of you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I've got a quick one. I don't actually, I think I think this to myself all the time, but I've never vocalized it, and it's kill them with kindness. Oh, I love that one. I use it every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> Except for the lo- shoots. A lot of love in the room tonight, and then you had to go and ruin it with that. <laughs> That's love in another way, right? The New Zealanders, you mean to people, it's because you love them. <laughs> exactly that's what I, t- I tell them that all the time it's only because i love you <laughs> uh, so funny all right guys um ryan shoot i know you don't like when i call you ryan shoot no that's else? my name i got nothing i greatly appreciate both of you being on here and spreading the message a lot of positivity out of this one yeah yeah no question i can't thank you thank you all enough for being here uh pj you've been quiet you got anything Nothing for me. No, great episode. Let's put a bow on it. Let's do that. All right. Well, that'll do it, boys and girls. Yet another awesome value-adding friend-making show. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Find us on all of our social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. Uh, don't forget to check out the Geoholics app, and you can find that at landsurveyorsunited.com. It's fully updated. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We'd love to hear from you. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program like Bad Elf. Every chance you get, be sure to mention you're a geoholic for the VIP experience. Pay it forward. Try not to suck. Queen, hammer to fall, available everywhere. Until next time, everybody, be safe and healthy. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.